I got into radio and television completely by accident. It was never a goal of mine, and it was never something that I particularly wanted to do. I, can't, I say that only because I get calls very <coughs> regularly from transition year students or, or students in, in university doing media studies, which I didn't do, by the way. Uh, I don't have a degree in journalism or a master's in anything. Um, but very often they will ring me and they want to know how do they get on television. And it seems nowadays that that's a goal of itself. So when I ask them, well, what, what do you want to do? What branch of journalism are you interested in? Or what's your special topic? They say, it doesn't matter. I, I don't care. I just want to be on television. <laughs> and I just find that a little bit... Um, now, you know, a lot of them, maybe they're, they're still young and they haven't really found what it is they want to do. But being an expose girl it is great and they're lovely girls. But really, you, if you're going to be a journalist, you need to find something else to do with your time first and then write about it. And you'll find that when you write about stuff, the television and the radio will follow if it's any good uh, because like editors trying to fill newspapers every day or trying to fill online uh, forums, uh, radio producers have hours and hours and hours and hours of time to fill on air and they are desperate for content and they really want that content to be good. So on both occasions I fell into it by accident and on both occasions it was an utter disaster. Um, my first radio piece uh, I was very excited and nervous about. It was about six or seven years ago and it was on the back of something I'd written for the Even Herald then. I think it was a controversial piece on something or other. And um, a radio producer rang me and asked me would I go on a, on a, on a programme <coughs> and I said I would. Uh, and that's the first thing by the way, always say yes. <laughs> and, and, like, I, I know it sounds obvious but please, please don't waste a producer's time They're going gosh, what time? I'm not sure I'd pick the kids up. Um, it's going to be really hard. The Tuesdays don't really suit me. What could I do with next Wednesday week? Just say yes and deal with all the other stuff in the <coughs> background, okay? That, that would be the first thing I'd say to you. Um, so the first time I went on, um, I lost my voice that morning. Um, I don't know whether it was psychosomatic or whether uh, literally I had lost my voice. I was in, a I do amateur dramatics and I was in a play that week and I think probably the combination of both, it was gone. And instead of doing the right thing, which was emailing the producer and telling them, my voice is gone, I cannot go on your show, I thought, it'll be fine by 11. It'll be grand. And I was dosing down lozenges, <coughs> narrowly avoided the boiled whiskey, uh, and did a disastrous interview where nobody could hear me. And the producer was getting increasingly irritated and the presenter didn't know any of this. So it was, very, it was really, really bad and I was very lucky to be called back at all. Uh, television. Uh, likewise, I do a lot of radio and television now every week uh, at the moment. I pull back from television just because it takes up so much time. You have studio time and makeup and all that kind of stuff, which sounds like a nice way to spend your morning, but it can be, it can really, for a freelance, eat up a lot of time for very little money. Um, so I would do normally four or five radio slots a week. I did uh, the Sunday show yesterday morning with Shane Coleman, which is on, on News Talk, uh, and I would generally do quite a lot of slots on News Talk. I find them very, very good to take ideas. Uh, so I would do a lot with um, George Hook, with the breakfast show um, and uh, the lunchtime show. There's quite a lot of scope on News Talk, I find. And on television, there's great scope on TV3. They're very open to accepting new ideas, so do consider both of those. Okay, so both radio and television, anyway, disaster for me first time round. But here I am years later, and I'm, it's pretty much taking up about half my week. So, so it, can be, it can be recovered from. Okay, so in terms of... Um, 
looking at pitching and getting <coughs> ideas across. Uh, I'm sure most of you have had the experience of writing something and then somebody calling you and saying, oh, I saw such and such in the paper, could you come on a radio show and do it? As a matter of interest, is that how many people has that happened to, or does that happen? Does that make up a lot of your time, Abigail? I know, <coughs> absolutely. Okay, so, there's quite, so you know that there's, there's um, a symbiotic loop there which we won't call catching stories, but you know, there is that. And you'll hear something on the radio and think that'll make a good print story, and then producers, you can be sure, are doing exactly the same thing. So the more, it goes without saying that the more you're in print, the more you can get on radio. It, it, it really is um, de facto. But if you are pitching stories, and it can be worthwhile doing it. I was years doing te radio and television by accident. People would call me. Um, before I realised it was like a thing, that I could actually pitch this now and create the story rather than waiting on to write something sensational and then a producer might give me a call. So you can actually make it happen. And the first thing I do is talk about how to pitch and how to send a pitch. Now, a lot of you will be features writers or maybe even opinion writers and you, or for magazines or newspapers and you'll be very used to sending a pitch to an editor which involves a 900-word piece I'm going to do a panel along the side which will have do's and don'ts. I'm going to have a celebrity bit in the middle. I'm going to talk about famous people who did this, that and the other that I'm speaking about. And you'll, you'll assemble your pitch like that so that the editor can visually see how it's going to look on the page and then give you the go-ahead or not. A radio producer will get a hundred of these every day and they simply won't read them. They don't at the time. And most of them are, with apologies, uh, PR press releases rather than pitches. And there's a big difference. Now, when a PR, as I'm sure Sam will talk about later, sends in a press release, he'd be very conscious of tone and voice in that release to try and get it above the fray, above the others to be noticed. When you're pitching as a journalist for a radio segment, you need to be very clear. If you don't grab the producer in the subject line, he, forget it. They're not going to read it again. They don't at the time. <coughs> it can be farmed out to an intern who maybe doesn't understand your specialist area. So try and pick a subject line that is really going to um, engage them without being ridiculous, okay? So, I, I mean, you each know what areas you're interested in. My own personal area is consumer and personal finance and economics. So, you know, I might have a, a subject line like, um, uh, despite everything, the banks are still go going to stay bust, or something like, you know, something that, that they'll be aware of the backstory, but, but I'll have something in there that will have triggered it. My other specialist interest area, um, is the royal family and the royals of Europe, which is uh, very much a minority interest, um, and from time to time <laughs> gets radio slots when one of them gets married or has a baby or next week has a christening. So uh, I, I, will, I will sometimes pitch something kind of entertaining in there. Now a producer will know, I have four minutes to fill on Tuesday afternoon after five o'clock. That'll do. Okay? And just bear in mind, like, they do have hours to fill. On an average two-hour show, um, you'll have with breaks for news, ads, weather, traffic. On any of the morning, lunchtime, or drive time shows, that's the way it breaks down. You'll have feature interviews. So there's somebody who's written a book, brought out a CD, whatever it is, okay? Now in between all that, you have between three and seven or 10 minute slots that they have to fill with additional stories. A lot of those will be, they'll open the newspapers on the day, it'll be what's happening in the world. That's the stuff you hear in Morning Ireland. <coughs> uh, but for everything else, there are filler items. And th that's where, you can really uh, slot in very, very well. So you have to be careful about your timing uh, when it's pitching. Okay, so the three, um, it, when you're sending an email then to a producer, my, my advice is hit them in the bullet line and don't make them scroll. So if you can't fit it on the screen that they're looking at, you haven't thought that pitch out properly. 
This is for a four-minute radio item. It's not for a 900-word article. So you need to have three bullet points. Here's what I'm going to talk about. Here's what happened. Here's how it fits in. And you suggest how it would fit into the show. And you bang it off, make sure all your contact details are on it. Again, it sounds obvious. You have no idea the number of producers who said to me, I've got great pitches in. They didn't say who's from. I am not ringing up a newspaper or a freelance forum or the NUJ to say, can you please tell me who Mary Murphy is? They're not going to do it. So you need to put in all those details about how you're contactable and, and what, your, what your area is. Okay, the three W's. Uh, what is the story? Why does it fit in today? And who are you to tell it? So why wouldn't they get in somebody else to talk about it? So you have to send yourself along with the story. So if, if it's a story about... Uh, banking, you know, so something's happened, there's a crisis in the banks and you think that the inflation figures are going to change upwards next week. Well, any producer with your salt will be sitting there going, ooh, I'll get the Central Bank on, or I'll get the Irish Bankers Federation on. So there has to be a reason that they're going to pick you instead of doing that. And they will, uh, they'll nick the story then. So they'll take the idea and they'll go off and bring the idea and get them to sell it on the spokesman. Alright? So you have, to, you have to hit them between the eyes and tell them this is why it's really, this is why I can tell this story better than anybody else. So there are your three W's, um, which is important. Listen to shows and presenters. Now listen, I mean, there are music shows aimed at the under 25s, like Beat FM, okay? Great station, doing really, really well. They get pitches all the time from people writing stories about beauty segments, economics, um, something that's happened in Luxembourg. So that, see, th so that's a blanket email that's just gone out to everybody that this person can think about. Now, whether it's a PR-related one or a journalist-related one, you will never be used again, and it's a complete waste of your time and their time. So do listen to shows and try and structure what shows would fit in and, and what would work with the area that you talk about. Now, most of the talk shows are very obvious. We know them because hopefully you're listening to them all of the time. You need to be a radio head if you're going to try and get into radio. So you're going to, in terms of the day, if you can think of the day on RTE1, so you've Morning Ireland at the beginning, you're going to go straight into Sean O'Rourke. <coughs> Forget Ronan Collins, he doesn't want your pitches, right? You're going to go then into the news at one. Now you're into Liveline, which is a whole different type of radio, uh, and then you're <coughs> into then Drive Time and all the shows after that, and you have specialist shows. So in the evening time, if, you're arts, if, if arts is your thing, go for arena, go and contact you know, people who are interested in that kind of thing. Or, or they might do features on sailing, or features on fishing, or features on knitting. So find the topics and find out who does what show. It's really important. There's nothing worse than pitching for something that the show simply doesn't cover. Uh, don't forget local radio. After Morning Ireland, at 9 o'clock, 52% of people switch to local radio. It is a vast market. And it is absolutely not tapped enough. Everybody, especially if you're Dublin-based, you have this sense of News Talk Today FM and RTE. Please move beyond that. If your story has any local reference at all, or if it can be made to have any local reference at all, uh, please use it and exploit it and get onto one of the very many tens of radio stations that are out there. The BAI website has a full list of all local radio stations in the country. And if you go on their website, you'll see very clearly who the demographic is, what kind of shows they do, who the presenters are, and what, because they're trying to sell themselves as well. So I have found great local radio, Waterford Local Radio, fantastic station, 
LMFM up in up in Louth, um, KCLR, uh, County Carlow, fantastic radio station. Um, uh, so they are all really anxious for content and really want to include stuff. And very often they'd have a business show or a consumer show in my case, or they'd have a, a television and radio show, or they'd have car reviews or whatever it is that, that you do, you will find them well worthwhile pitching to them. Okay, so please don't forget local radio. It's a great way of getting started, um, especially because the interviews, you know, they're not, you really probably don't want to be heading in to Sean O'Rourke on your first outing. Um, even if the subject is benign, it's good to get practice and uh, and on local radio. That's a great way to start. Not that the interviews will be soft soap, no, by any means. They're they're hard hitting and newsy, but it'll be it'll be a different type of, of tone. So if any of you are originally from anywhere outside Dublin, or if you can apply an outside Dublin angle to your uh, story, please use it. Uh, and of course, there's lots of local radio in Dublin, so don't forget that as well. And there's some really, really good student, university and commercial radio stations out there that are well worth it. Uh, don't forget television. Uh, now, I have found, um, as I say, I mentioned TV3 earlier. Um, I get uh, great runouts on TV3. I find... Um, they're more open to trying things out, maybe, than RTE. And I think that's just a factor of the, the public service remit. RTE can't afford to get it wrong, and TV3 don't care mm. if they do or not. Because they'll come across a gem every so often, and they're prepared to chuck it out there, see what happens. If the show works, fine. And if it doesn't work, that's fine, too. So they're more edgy. So if you're sending out pitches um, to TV3, don't forget television. It's, you know, don't, don't feel it's all about radio. If you've got a great item that you feel this would work visually in a, in a feature, in a, in a magazine, it'll work in Ireland AM. You can be sure of it. Okay? Uh, so you'll get, you'll get something like you're doing something on, I don't know, charity Christmas cards. Okay? And you're trying to work out the, the percentage that goes to charities or you know, what charities are involved or how the law operates or all that kind of thing. So you, that's a lovely magazine feature this time of year and you can think about your panel and how you do it and you get content for the Send that idea into Ireland AM and say, look, this will make a great item because, and again, your three bullet points, you can be, afford to be a little more generous with your email with television because they want to turn it into a, into a sofa feature and you can say, this is how it works. They have a great afternoon show, which is now live as well. Um, for the women, they have midday. Uh, and the midday, um, I see Jordan here is uh, one of my co-midday um, uh, panellists from time to time. Uh, and that they're looking for somebody more of a rounded nature on midday, so not totally specialist interest. So journalists are absolutely ideal for that. All right, pitch yourself. They'll try you out. They'll give you a day. You screw it up, they won't ask you back, but at least you'll have done it and you'll have, you'll have given it a day out, okay? So don't be afraid to do that. Okay, um, and do listen to presenters. When I said listen to radio programs, listen to presenters as well because the style is really important. I mean, there's a big difference between an interrogative style like Pat Kenny or Sean O'Rourke uh, or any of the news presenters and a features presenter like Evelyn O'Rourke maybe who is just trying to, wants to have a kind of an in-depth chat about whatever the, the arts topic is um, compared to somebody like George Hook whose show is about George Hook Mm -hmm. You know, so you'll be you'll be the, you'll be a guest on that show, but you're very much the stooge. So, and I don't mean that in a bad way. The George Hook show is about George Hook, um, and it's fine. Uh, but it's about his opinions, his views, and anything you want to feed into that is fine, but not important. So, if you listen to shows, <laughs> you'll get a sense of how the different presenters operate, and and that can be really important. Okay. 
Um, now, when you're identifying stories themselves, look, it's not really that different to identifying stories for print, <coughs> except in terms of the time. Radio is very time sensitive. They are not interested in covering something on Tuesday week. They're just not. So if you're used to writing magazine features where you've got a long lead in and a lovely deadline of 10 days ahead, that radio aren't interested in anything like that. So it has to be time sensitive, topical, which means you have to be available. So you could send in a great pitch, they ring you up and you say, oh, tomorrow, oh no, I'm away, I can't do that. Okay, so don't pitch to radio unless you know you're going to be available to do the, to do the show. Um, sum it up in three points on your email when you send it in. If you can't sum it up in three points, your story, you haven't thought out the pitch properly. So practice doing that. With any story you write now for magazine or newspaper or online, practice putting it into three bullet points. So that when a producer reads it, they can go, I'm going to cover this, I'm going to mention this, and I'm going to explain how this works. And if you can't do that, forget it, because they are not interested. A broad appeal. Most radio programmes want to reach the maximum audience. And they're conscious on radio, unlike a newspaper where somebody will sit down with it and read a story, or at least top and tail it and scan the centre. In radio, it's a passive medium. So people are making the dinner, collecting their kids, going in and out of the car, getting petrol, hoovering, coming back to the... So they're dipping in and they're dipping out of radio. It might be on in the background if it is in my house all of the time in several rooms. That's the way people consume radio. So you have to be conscious that your story is going to last over the three, four or seven minutes that you're going to be allowed to explain it. And that might mean men mentioning some of the key points two or three times. If you ever hear author interviews, good author interviews, now people who are experts at this, uh, <coughs> who have written several books, listen back to any of them, and you'd hear them mentioning, in the book, I mentioned da-da-da. In my book, you know, Forever at Sea, I talked about this. When you read Forever at Sea, you understand how this works. That's what I'm talking about. Okay? So it's important that you may have to count for that dipping in audience. They're not going to be with you for the whole time. Um, so, so make sure that your story has the widest appeal <coughs> that you can get You can get a big readership, a, a big listenership from it. Counterpoints. Um, so if you're trying to arrange your pitches throughout the year, you know stuff that's coming up now. So producers currently are looking for Halloween-related stories. We're going to be heading into winter-related stories. We're heading into Christmas stories. We're heading into, in my case, saving for Christmas saving for next year, taking out loans, stuff that's going to happen in January when you have to pay back the credit card, all that kind of stuff. So that's the stuff I'm dealing with now. And it's too, you know, I, that they're the ones on forming pitches and features for now, especially for television, because they like a lot longer lead-in time for stuff. So think about whatever stories you're working on now that would work in terms of, of pitching your calendar point. And you know what ones are coming up next year, you know when Easter's going to be, you know when <coughs> summer's going to be, you know when the kids go back to school. So Valentine's Day, all that stuff. Um, in the same way that you would, you would be thinking about stories. Um, advanced notes for producers. Um, okay, producers and presenters don't <coughs> always talk to each other um, <coughs> thoroughly. Uh, the, the person in charge of the show is always the producer. <coughs> it is never the presenter. Some presenters co produce themselves, but it's rare. So the person you're trying to uh, impress is the producer. Okay, so it doesn't matter if you know Sharon Neviolon's mother's aunt because she lives next door to you. She is not the person to pitch to. She'll never take a story. They can't. And, and often people who are pitching make, make that mistake. They pitch to the presenter. And so it's the producer that you need to think about. And he or she has a much wider remit than your story. So they need to know how it's going to fit on the day, how it's going to fit in with the rest of the show and all that. So when, you're, when you do get a slot 
like they, they ring you up and they say, yeah, actually, that's a great idea. Will you come in on Tuesday and do it? It's a really good idea at that stage to now flesh out your invoice and do it, flesh out your um, email and do a proper pitch. So you're preparing, up, you're preparing yourself not to fail. So don't assume the producer knows what this subject matter is about or the backstory or the history of it or what's going to happen in the future. They may know nothing about it. So you prepare your notes and you say, here are sample questions that the presenter could ask. <coughs> boom, boom, boom. Now most producers, in my experience, are not lazy, but if they're up against time, they will very much appreciate being, being told that a line that would be helpful to go down. Okay, it can be really, really good to do that. They may, they may not do it, um, but it's very good that, that you look as if you're on top of your subject and say, here are the things that, that they could explore. And it also means then that you can prepare better for it. Okay. Uh, now, when you're in studio, and any of you who've done radio will know a lot about this, um, it's very important in the studio experience is kind of a bit weird because you're in this tiny room and they are the most you'd fit four or five radio studios in this room it's a small intimate space <coughs> and to my mind much more compelling and it and and kind of it's why m more stuff gets disclosed on radio that people would prefer it hadn't been uh, than television because it's it's so um intimate it can feel like you're only talking to the presenter if it's a good presenter uh, so when you're in there you need to be conscious of your you know your vocal um, effect so your pace you know the feedback you're getting uh, producers will always uh, assess your success on the texts and tweets that, that are coming in while you're on okay so it's it's very worthwhile you know making sure that you have enough interest in it that people <coughs> will um, will respond to the show really then or afterwards. <coughs> vocal inflections. Now most people I know hate doing this, most journalists. Even though you carry dictaphones around with your recording devices, they won't record themselves. You really need to. Okay? I know it's awful. But if you don't listen back, you won't hear the like you knows. And um, uh, <coughs> like you know, you know, like you know, like you know, yeah, like you know. Okay, uh, you've no idea how irritating it is on radio. But you won't hear it. Your family would have stopped hearing it many years ago. Your friends ignore it. Uh, and it's only when you hear it back that you realise that's a thing. And it shouldn't be a thing on radio. I don't know how you fix it. That's not my area. Uh, but when I'm certainly doing radio training with people, it is the first thing that I will hear. So it's really important that you know it exists. Uh, it takes, like, um, uh, some people do kind of tongue tea thing that I don't really understand but you can hear it <coughs> and it can be very annoying it's just or they cough all the time or clear their throat or or sniff it's just a habit it's, it's there's nothing wrong with them it's just a habit and it's something that they it will come across startlingly on radio compared to normal life um, and passion is the most important thing you can bring into a radio studio a dead interview is a disaster that's where somebody comes on and is either monosyllabic or the presenter has to do all of the work. And you will see presenters doing this sometimes, <coughs> a bad interviewee, they'll kind of... So really what you're saying is then, Brian, that in the normal course of events, when people do this, then this happens. And Brian goes, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's flesh that out, Brian. Why would that be so? Yeah, well, it just is, really. Okay, Brian. So, to bring that along further, then, <laughs> the presenter's having to drag it out, so don't be that guest. All right? The corollary of that is waffling, or talking too much, or speculating, or talking about things you don't know anything about. All 
right? Be really careful. You, a good presenter will just pick you up on it, and it'll be the one thing you'll be nailed on, and it, it could just not work out well for you. Um, so no waffle. When you're finished a sentence, remember, if you want to stay on radio and be called back, the more questions you can get to answer, the better you're going to be. So instead of answering one question brilliantly for six minutes, far better to answer six questions. Okay, because it gives the presenter and the producer a range of what you're like. So keep your answer short, make sure there's a downward inflection at the end so that they know you come to the end of the line. So if they ask you a question, say, well, that's very interesting, and this is what I have to say about it, and it's, it's great the way that that all works out. Q next question, right? Um, live versus phono, where possible, please go into studio. All right, it's not always possible, and certainly if it's last minute, you won't be able to, and it's difficult for freelancers because they don't work in town a lot of the time. Uh, but please do try and go into an interview. Always offer, I can go into the studio if you like. It makes for far better radio. Uh, and also you can see hand signals and eye signals with the presenter, which is always helpful if you're running out or you don't know the answer to something or it's not your area or whatever. You can pick up, and you'll pick up the cues between the producer in the gallery and the presenter, like, you know, you're going over time, so you need to wrap it up and then you can start, you know, finishing off what you're going to say. So I would always do that, but it's not always possible. In truth, it's a, I do about 60% studio, 40% phone. And that's just the way it pans out. Uh, but the phone ones are always lesser interviews. Uh, I hate pre-records, by the way. I know that a lot of you might think, oh, well, that's a safer route, and it's nice and comfortable, and they can always retape it. It's really not. You will make mistakes. It's like human nature. The second you realize that you have time, you will start, um, you will start making it. So live is always better. Help your host. Um, and, and I talked there about sending in presenters' notes before you, you know, producer notes before you start. But also help your host along during the interview by bringing up a, a, a subject maybe that he, ha he or she hasn't researched. So if they say something like, so the answer to the number of people uh, on the dole is 400,000, is that correct? So that's a very closed question, to which the answer is yes or no, depending on what you know. Uh, but a way of doing it is, yes, that's correct, Sean, but actually what's interesting about that is this. Okay? Or that's more affected by the immigration figures than it is by unemployment, or whatever. So bring it along and, and help them along to the next question, because that then is, oh, well, that's interesting, so how do the numbers on that? And then you're, you're into a flow then. Listening back, again, that's about taping yourself, podcasting, keeping an archive, listening back in it. You're going to pick up the vocal inflections. You will hate it anyway. So try and be critical about it. Try, try and kind of be observant of it, <coughs> rather than thinking, oh, I sounded awful, or is my voice really like that, or whatever. And it's really important that you listen back to interviews because you'll find yourself, if you're interrupting the host, you'll hear it. Uh, if you have a, a vocal tick, you'll hear it. Or if you sound unconfident, you'll hear it. And if you hear it, you can be absolutely sure that the 100,000 people listening to it also heard it. So it gives you a cue. Um, getting asked back. Now, I am a bit of a rent-a-guest, and, and that's fine. <coughs> um, so I find myself on panel shows nearly all the time, which is where we've had three people today to review the papers, or we have three people in to talk about whatever the issue is of the day or whatever. Um, so that, that's a good place to be. Um, and it certainly takes some of the heat off somebody who might have, want, not want to do the kind of seven minutes on their own. Um, so uh, getting us back means you're an all-rounder, you're pretty much good across topics, you're aware of what's in the news, what's in the papers, what's the background stories. Uh, and it's a good way to get asked back. When you do, make sure the producer knows how to get you and who you are. 
Um, th look, things can go wrong. Um, when, I'm, when I'm training people, they're normally uh, experts from an industry or a, a company that want to put somebody, for, like a, the person, the point, a spokesperson for radio. Uh, and they're in a kind of a sticky wicket because they want to be on the radio, but they don't want to say anything bad about their company or industry. Uh, and radio presenters, you know, don't do free advertorials. So journalists are in a different sphere. Uh, it's harder to go wrong, but not impossible. Uh, but there are only three types of questions that will ever occur in a radio interview that you have to be wary of. The first of them are questions you don't know the answer to. My advice is to admit it straight away, once. Anymore, they'll be thinking, why is she on? Okay, she doesn't know anything. Uh, so if they say, so uh, exactly what proportion of people then would be emigrating to Canada over Australia? And you've come on to talk about dole figures and emigration as an issue. You say, then you automatically will panic and you think, I have no idea. And your reaction, your instinct will be to make up a figure and hope that he doesn't know either. Okay? That's a really bad idea because the text will come in and say, complete balderdash, and you'll be challenged on that. So the best thing is to say, well, actually, those figures aren't clear, but here's what I can tell you that far more people emigrate to the New World than to London. Okay? And you can carry on in that way. So acknowledge that you don't know. If you're in studio, you can go, okay, unless you're on News Talk, because it has a webcam, and I wouldn't advise it. Um, but you can um, deflect it and move on. But always have a substitute. So I don't know that, but here's something I do know. It's the typical politician's response, okay? Um, questions that call for speculation. Now look, you're in the business of speculation a lot of you. So uh, like I, I wouldn't say avoid these questions. And, and some very pedantic interviews can result of people saying, well, I just really want to read out the facts and just tell you exactly what I've written, and these are the numbers I have, and don't ask me any questions that involve my opinion. <coughs> um, Truman, uh, this is a personal opinion thing, um, had an exasperation with economists when he was going through the fiscal crisis in, in the States when he was president. And he always wanted, he always said, would somebody please give me a one-handed economist? because he was sick of <laughs> economists coming up to him and saying, well, he said, well, how do we solve this gold uh, standard crisis or whatever? And he said, on one hand, you could do this, and on the other hand, you could do that. Okay? And he absolutely hated it, and he wanted somebody to fall off the fence. Um, now, as an opinion writer, I'm paid to fall off the fence pretty hard one way or another. Uh, you need to be that one-handed economist. All right? So do have an opinion on it. Don't be afraid to express it. Make sure you're not libeling anybody in the process. But you make much better radio if you're not that bland two-handed economist. All right, so so please do um, do, do do that. Okay, final word. Please ask for money if you are going to do radio. It is really hard to get paid. I cannot stress this enough. I cannot tell you how much free radio and television I've done in my career. Lots and lots and lots of it. If I get another 12-year-old producer telling me it's good for your profile, I will probably come back. <laughs> I have a profile, dear, that's why you called me, okay? Which is the answer I normally get now. The free and freelance has to be, you know, reframed. Very often, radio producers and television producers may not realise you're not salaried. I write for The Herald and I write for The Irish Independent. So there is a not unreasonable assumption that I'm salaried staff. And salaried staff are supposed to hawk themselves around studios every so often to do whatever they do. 
So my first thing is I kindly and gently point out that I'm not salaried. And as a result, I ask what the fee is. I don't say, is there a fee for this segment? The answer is, we've no budget. The question is, what is the fee for this segment? And you'll get far better response. Now, the response could still be, we've no budget. And you have a choice to make. Do you want to go on and do the thing, or do you not? I can't answer that for you. But the more free radio you do, the less paid radio will be offered to other journalists, including yourselves. So you must ask for money. At the very least, you must ask for the expense of getting in studio, parking your car, paying for your petrol, getting through the toll bridge. Seriously, it's not worth doing for free. It's not fair. And most of them do have a budget. I make a huge exception for local and community radio because they genuinely don't have any money and I'm happy to do work for them for free. No problem. And um, so do, do ask for it. Um, the, the good for your profile thing has happened to me more times than I can tell you. Seriously. Um, so fr from that point of view, that, that is my stock answer. I have you, you rang me. Um, now, I find that if it's something I've written about the previous day and I'm over-researched on it, and Matt Cooper rings or George Hooks rings and says, would you, ever, would you mind doing a four-minute item on this on the news tonight? I'll go, yeah, sure, no problem. You know, I'm not going to find an invoice to that. Uh, I've, I'm already researched on it. I've done it. It's no bother to me if it's a phone Okay? I may or may not. Depends on how much work is involved. Um, but if it's something that I have to research from scratch, uh, that I have to travel in to do, that I have to take time out of my day to do, I expect to be paid. There's lots of people they'll get who won't expect to be paid and they can use them. But if they want good radio from somebody reliable who is going to give them a good segment, they really ought to be able to pay for that. So it, it, it's very, very important that you ask for it. Okay? Uh, joining network groups, I'm on the uh, committee of Women on Air, which, uh, despite its title, is not just for women, um, and this is a network group about people who want to get broadcast time. So these are people in all professions, charity and business and uh, media and fashion and all kinds of things, and they just want to get uh, more air time. And joining that group is a very good way of giving you permission to do it, um, and also, um, I suppose, allowing you to meet other like-minded people. Who can find that challenging as well, or just don't know where to get started, and they break guests in? But there may be specialist groups in whatever your topics are that do that as well, and it's worth it's worth getting um, getting on board with them. Um, okay, well, I mean that that's really all I have to say. I do wish you well in radio. It's wonderful fun. I adore radio, uh, and I, I do as much of it as I possibly can. I made a decision at the beginning of 2012 to do no more free radio. And I've stuck to it. Um, and the fear of a freelance, whenever you opt out of something, <coughs> is that they'll never, ever speak to you again, ever, 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 ever. And that's what happened with two radio stations. So I told them very bluntly I wasn't doing any more free work, and they told me they'd no budget. And we parted company, and that was fine. And as the panic set in, I got another radio station who came back and said that they would actually be happier to use me more. Because now they felt I'm paying you, so now I can make you drag yourself into the studio. I can, I can insist that you come in and that you do this and that you research that. So they're getting better quality contributions from me, and I'm getting a small fee. It doesn't pay enormously well. You are certainly uh, not going to make a living out of it. But you may make a small supplemental income that um, is worthwhile and is worth doing. Okay. That's it. That's me done.